Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy! So, here's what we're doing this morning. Uh, did you introduce yourself? My name is Sarah Swartzendruer. Lovely to see you. Uh, yeah, and so uh, Sarah and I, we are co-pastors here at Cascade, and uh, we, we talked about when Cascade got started, uh, it wasn't like, okay, year one, we're going to do this. Year two, we're going to do this. And like we charted out, this is what Cascade's going to look like. It was more, some of the imagery we've used to describe this thing is like we felt like there was the seed of an idea that needed to be planted in a new place. And as Cascade has grown and existed, we're three and a half years, maybe a little bit more than that, of existing, it's like we're meeting Cascade for the first time too. We're like, oh, that's what it is. Uh, we actually use the imagery, if you've seen the movie Hook, when he's like pushing on his face and like, there you are, Peter. That's how we feel. We're like, there you are, Cascade. Um, and so because of that, there isn't like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to become. It becomes really significant to kind of once a year say, hey, this is what we're seeing and experiencing in this place, in this community. Um, and have different people kind of share about our core values, our vision as a church, because we want to make sure that those are always informing what we're doing. And if there's any areas that are, we're saying are, these are core values that uh, are, are becoming a little less of an emphasis, we want to be able to kind of get the wisdom of the congregation and say, hey, let's start addressing that and let's celebrate things that we feel like we're doing well. And so part of this is we want to kind of share what we see, what, what we've had around, but also kind of open up a dialogue with you as the, the congregation for you to be able to say, hey, I really appreciate you sharing. I don't experience any of that stuff you're talking about. For us to be able to kind of learn and know what we need to do. So I think also another key piece of it is to move away from this kind of top-down model where, as pastors were saying, like, this is where we're going, come with us. And I think instead we're asking a more collaborative model, right? So there, there's two of us co-pastoring. That's a trip, right? Like, we have to figure out how to do that together. And then also with you as well. Like, how do we do these core values as a community that we're not here saying we're doing this really well and why don't you come with? Instead, like, how can we collectively do these things together? Can you teach us to do them better? And quite frankly, we both grew up in top-down models. So we're like, are we doing this right? <laughs> we don't know. That's kind of part of this, uh, this whole grand experiment and how do we have that? And so we don't always create really great ways to be able to get feedback. So hopefully this is a part of that and that dialogue. Um, yeah, and we appreciate you being a part of it. So as we reflected on this past year, we're thinking about what were some of our favorite moments of the year? We recently had like at the beginning of every year, we do a staff retreat. We went up to Timberline this year. And that was the question in the car of like, what were some of our favorite memories? So we started talking about different things that stick out. And one of the first memories that stuck out to us was the um, when Scott Erickson came and did the Say Yes. Is Scott in here? I don't even know where he is. He left. It's fine. Uh, oh, here he is. So when we did the Say Yes, <laughs> um, what I thought was amazing about that event was that we incorporated a conversation that I think needed to happen around mental health and kind of how do we understand our own understanding of where we're at, as well as it was fun and creative and brought us into this more artistic side that Scott brings. So I feel like that was a really influential moment of us continuing to step into who Cascade is as a community. 
And if you miss that, uh, Scott's doing another one in Portland next month. Say yes next month. Yeah, you should go to that. It was really great. Um, the other thing we had is we had uh, this wonderful uh, woman who's a therapist and author and is just great. Her name is Hillary McBride, and she came down here this last year. That's great. I love that. Um, and one of the big things that Hillary does is talking about faith and embodiment. And so we had a night of doing that, and she led us on this activity where she just played music that, like, cycled through different music and was like, just move and use the space in church. Like, feel how the music makes your body want to move. And it was so weird. Uh, especially in church, to be like, I've seen this sometimes, and do I do this? There's pews everywhere. How do we work with that dynamic? Um, but at the end of the day, it was feeling a connection with who I am, who my body is, and what church is, and what faith and spirituality is. That it's one conversation that we've pulled apart for a lot of different reasons. And for me, that was a, that was a story, an example of something that's like, yeah, we're trying to, not like, embodiment, check mark, we did it, but we want to lean into things that feel uh, uncommon or different or maybe have been pulled apart and re-explore them because we think this is how we get to know who we are and how we get to know who God is. And kind of our final experience when we were just talking about like what are our favorite things that we've gotten to do this year was that public theology started. And um, if you've gotten to come to those conversations, they've been an amazing space to get to dialogue in a different space, if that makes sense. Like a Sunday morning is great, but it's a lot of us looking forward. And in public theology, we look at each other. And that's really a powerful piece of those conversations. My favorite uh, story from public theology is we just met at the Zeugel House, and we did one on hell and Satan. Um, and they're, like, on Facebook. So uh, this, this man and woman saw it, and they're like, yeah, let's go. That sounds fun. We just meet at the Zeugel House. Zeugel House is not doing the event. So they walked in and asked to the server, they're like, hey, I'm here for the hell and Satan conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and the server's like, Whoa, what, what now? <laughs> We're like, no, she's, they're with us over here. Uh, so, yeah, we've had lots of great conversations, and it feels kind of fun and collaborative. So with that being said, I think the important parts of those kind of favorite memories is that Cascade has become its own. If that makes sense, we see this year as the year as, like, Cascade became what we believe Cascade was supposed to be, is continue to be with God in that. And so um, in that, we wanted to kind of focus on our core values. So, um, and how we think it's shaped and formed with those core values and who we are today versus maybe who we were when we started or what we thought it would look like, if that makes sense. And so we've invited some people from the congregation that have been involved in some of these different areas. They're going to come up and kind of share and talk about this. Um, but as you hear this, if you're like, I'm interested in hearing more, like this, this is more like where you are now, but I want to get more like the history. How did you get here? Some of those conversations. I'm so glad you hypothetically asked that question because next month uh, on February 10th, we have Cascade Connect, which we do quarterlies, and it's exactly that conversation. So if there's a part of this that you're like, I'm still figuring this out. Like, I, I don't, I'm getting to know you. It's a great environment to get to meet other people that have been coming recently and kind of hear more about that. Uh, so everything we do is kind of framed around safe to be, safe to grow. Because um, we really thought it was important to create a church community that it was safe for you to be a part of and access. There's nothing you have to do beforehand. There's no, like, dangerous questions or thoughts that would get you thrown out. 
there's a place where like you're welcome and who you are is welcome. Um, not just because it sounds like a good idea, because it actually seems to capture the heart of God that we read about in scripture that we kind of see in, in this Christian tradition, even if it's gone very other ways in other communities. Um, and so with that, we kind of have our five uh, core values. So the first that we want to be able to talk about and share about is I'm going to invite up Emily Crawford is going to come share about an area we really tried to emphasize this year with advocacy. Um, so yeah, welcome Emily. I'm representing, is this, I can't see myself. Okay. Um, I'm representing all the introverts in the room. <laughs> As a non-speaker of, yes. I have to go up to here? Yeah. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> um, I'm Emily. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Emily Crawford. Um, I started here um, about two years ago, and it was immediately a safe place for me, and I was just so excited to find a church that honored where I was at at the time, and just it was incredible, which is why I'm a huge fan and, like, always here to get people to come. But um, one thing that was also really big for me um, was I've been a part of a group called Rahab Sisters um, for maybe seven years now. And I really wanted to find a church congregation who shared that passion with me, some people who kind of felt that same way. Because for me, it's been like a spiritual practice that over time has become a huge part of my life. So um, when... Kurt said he wanted to start an advocacy team. I was like, yes, <laughs> that's my missing part here. So um, this last year, he invited um, the congregation to be a part of it. Um, if you weren't here at the time, you might not even know what this is about. But um, uh, he said, um, so since advocacy is one of the core values for Cascade, and the goal is for us to be informed, connected, and actively involved in advocacy issues. Um, we wanted to create an intentional structure. Um, so at the advocacy team began. It was a six-month commitment. And we met once a month and investigated one area of local advocacy. Um, we also had to be willing to be a guide or a point person to help connect those around us to the issues that we're either curious or already passionate about. So we committed to areas of justice. Um, we learned about the local organizations and the events that are uh, related to our issues. We discussed together our process of research and the insights that we hoped would be helpful to others also starting out. Um, some of those insights um, were things like common frustrations and roadblocks to getting involved, um, some tips and encouragement to keep going, um, and then how to feel good about what level of engagement that you can handle. Um, so we ended up um, brainstorming ideas of how to bring thoughtfully uh, what we've learned to the congregation um, and um, we also talked about what to name our little group, yeah? So advocacy um, is possible word. We talked about equity. So this is just a work in progress, and um, we're open to suggestions going forward. 
Um, and finally, we decided that we would invite conversation over food. So there's a potluck coming next month um, to talk about what we're doing, um, what we've experienced, and how others can explore different areas of justice work that they're also curious about. Did I miss anything? No, that's perfect. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Emily. Perfect. And as Emily shared, uh, our kind of our, our model and hope for advocacy is we want to, even though we certainly have things like partnership at Kelly Elementary that we do together as a church, we really say if we want a church, and as we're going to talk about next, that honors diversity, we don't think everyone's called to be passionate about the same issues of justice socially. So we just want to create a network of people who are engaged in those areas that can kind of serve as guides and to say, not, hey, come do the same thing I'm doing, but here's what I learned about investigating this area um, in the city. And so some examples of that is racial equity, LGBTQ inclusion, homelessness, women's issues. Um, there's lots of things that we have people that have been investigating and looking into and how we can partner. So that potluck that Emily was talking about next month is those people that are kind of point people will be sitting at a table and you can just go join a table and kind of hear more and learn more about what they've learned and kind of ask questions and say, what, what would it look like for me to get involved? Like the vision I have that gets me so excited is Cascade is like, well, what does Cascade do about these issues of justice? And like, you don't have enough time because we are everywhere doing all kinds of things that God has called and gifted us individually to do. And that charges me up. So yeah, that's something we're excited about for this next year. Um, and now I want to invite up Harriet. She's going to talk about our core value of diversity. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, let me state the value. Uh, we better understand God when we live in a community of people who are different from each other. Last week, I was uh, watching a video of Richard Rohr, and he made a statement in it that uh, caught my attention. And he said, we are all addicted to our own way of thinking. We are all addicted to our own way of thinking. And as I thought about that, yeah, that, that's true. And the result is that we each end up in our own small world with a very small God. And I think diversity is one way to get out of that. It's one way to enlarge our world and then glimpse a God who's so big and beautiful, a God whose image can't be reflected in just one or two people. It takes a whole world of people, full of people with different cultures and different perspectives and different lived experiences. I was asked to talk about diversity because of my own journey with racial justice and reconciliation. Um, and that has been included uh, in that journey, um, coming to my own realization of being a woman of color, a biracial Asian. My journey started um, the day that a grand jury decided not to indict the police officer in the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson. It hit me really hard. But the thing is, is I didn't understand it. I didn't know why I was feeling the grief and the anger. So for the last four and a half years, I have worked really hard to listen and to understand what's happening in our nation around race 
And it's important to me that my church understand it too, that it cares about this. And it's important to me that as a church, as a family, that we participate in this movement towards systemic justice and racial reconciliation. Because of what I know about God and what I read in my Bible, ignoring it is not an option. Um, I actually met Pastor Kurt and Pastor Sarah um, through Leroy Barber a couple of years before I actually ended up at Cascade. And so when I started coming, I was so thrilled when Leroy decided to or agreed to be a pastor in residence here for a year. And besides the preaching that he did, he also led a discussion after uh, we all went to see the movie Black Panther. How many of you were part of that discussion? It was, it was so good. <laughs> um, as a bonus, his wife uh, Donna also preached here. And right now, um, he's not officially a pastor in residence, but both Leroy and Donna continue to be on the preaching team. So in fact, next week, um, Leroy's going to be here, and he's leading a panel on race. So I hope you're here. Also in March, what's coming up is uh, Kara Meredith is coming to Portland, and she will be speaking at Cascade. And she's a, a writer and a speaker. She's a white woman who's married to a black man. And her husband is the son of James Meredith, the well-known civil rights activist. Her book is coming out next month, and it's called The Color of Life, A Journey Toward Love, and racial justice. And so in it, she writes about her own journey going from ignorance of her own white privilege to racial justice. Um, I'm hoping that she will spark more conversations, even after she leaves, about race and white privilege here at Cascade. I know that some of you are already involved in those kinds of conversations outside. I see it in the social media. Um, and, uh, but I would love it if we would have them right here, that we would talk about race, that we would be a part of what's happening and trying to change the systemic injustice that's here. I want to have open and intentional conversations. Without them, it's most likely that we won't experience racial diversity here. It won't be safe for people of color to be here if we don't have this conversation before. Diversity has many faces. Race is one of them, but there are others. And so what I want to do is just close by reading something from our website that was recently changed to be more inclusive. You can find it under the section Church Doctrine, and this is what it says there. Our church identity is defined by love. This is in response to God's great love for us, to direct our love three ways, to God, to self, and to others. Specific behavior and beliefs aren't as significant as our ability to experience love and share love. An important aspect of this love is to live out your beliefs in a way that doesn't threaten the safety and diversity of the people around you, which includes confronting actions against any person that treats them as less than full participants in God's story. To that end, Cascade believes that people of all ages, races, physical or mental abilities, 
socioeconomic statuses, gender expressions, and sexual identities belong and are capable of full participation and are eligible for all leadership roles. This is the foundation of how we're going to flesh diversity out in our church, and I'm excited about what the coming year will bring. Thank you, Harriet. Um, and to that end, too, I, I think uh, conversations about race and diversity kind of gets, um, I've had many direct conversations with like, well, that's like a social thing. But like, what's like the Jesus thing that you're doing? Um, and just to maybe belabor it, um, it, it's the, I don't see the Jesus ever making those distinctions, that this actually is central to the gospel. And one of the things that you shared, Harriet, that was so helpful to remind me is that so often we encounter people that have just made God in their own image. And if the only image you're encountering is your own or people like you, of course you would. That this is actually central to knowing God, is knowing and engaging with the diversity of people around us. So if people are like, oh, do you go to that social justice church? Or like, they do those things out there. Like, no, we go to like a Jesus church. We're like, this is all central to understanding who God and the gospel is. Uh, Sarah's going to share more now about our intentionality. Yeah. Yeah, so our third core value that we're going to talk about is intentionality. And I want to specifically look at this in what's been happening in our kids program right now. Because um, we don't talk about that very much up here. And so I kind of just want to refocus, like, what are we doing in kids and how much intentionality we try to bring into our downstairs programming. So um, with intentionality, we believe that our kids are just as important as our adults. And part of kind of the problem is there is literally an upstairs, downstairs, culture that happens just in the layout of the building. And so it's really easy to put value to our upstairs and finances towards our upstairs and our upstairs teachers and what's happening with all of you. Um, but I actually really believe as a church, we've committed to that, you know, there's just as much importance and frankly damage that can happen in spiritual development of a child. And so we're really intentional about what's happening. So this year, um, our teachers and I have been working on actually completely rewriting all of our kids' curriculum uh, because when we started Cascade, um, there was a lot of things starting, and we kind of picked a curriculum, and then I would rewrite it every week, and I realized that I just didn't like it, period, and I really wanted it to match what was being taught upstairs and not have any questions, so um, that has meant that we rewrite it all every week, so there's been a ton of intentionality going into the theology that's being taught, as well as um, how we're teaching it, and how do we still make it fun, but also theologically healthy, basically, is what we're looking for downstairs, so um, that's kind of around that piece, as well as um, we've been really intentional about recreating our kids' spaces. So all of you have been so generous and so helpful. Um, we've asked a couple times for wish lists on Facebook and Amazon to, because, frankly, it was a financial commitment to intentionally change what our classroom spaces looked like so it met our needs. So um, you may not know that there's a classroom right now that averages, I think, 17 students every Sunday, and that's um, a lot of kids in one space. And so we had to kind of rework what that would look like in order to have those kids in the same room, but also be able to be in a safe interaction. So 
the intentionality of having really amazing teachers, I always tell them, when in doubt, have a good time. We will know that uh, kids are a big influencer if you do or do not come back to church. So let's have an amazing time with them and be intentional and love them and get on their level and see them. And if you see your teachers, I think that's what they're best at. Right, that they're able to see the child where they're at and meet them in that moment and then also be able to teach a class and maybe they walk away with knowing who Jesus is. That to me is our win in our kids program. So we're focusing a lot in intentionality with our teachers and our kids as well as kind of what that means for our kiddo programs. Thank you, Sarah. Um, the thing that we want to, oh, that's great. Uh, we want to talk about our next core value, uh, which is curiosity. Um, and actually, I think curiosity kind of exists at the heart of a lot of what we do. Uh, so the language we use uh, specifically is we recognize there's more that we don't know about God in the world than what we do know. We lean into mystery with questions and openness to grow. Uh, and so to that end, there's like a, hopefully a corporate humility that isn't like, hey, we're not going to pretend we're as awesome as we all really know we are. Um, <laughs> but rather a humility that says, yeah, I don't know lots about the world. That's what drives me into the world, to learn and to grow, because this is how I see and experience God. Um, and so how some of that is manifest is we get curious about things that we don't know or understand. Our current message series that we're taking a break from to do this and next week is called Revisiting Paul, because we wanted to, to say, hey, we just noticed a number of, of teachers or people we've had come here is like, yeah, Paul says this, and I have my problems with Paul, but, and then they'll continue on. And we're like, that's interesting. Why do we have problems with Paul? What is that? It would probably be good to go back to Paul and look at what was Paul's context? What was his writing? Who was he? Uh, that's a direct reflection of our curiosity. Doing our pub theologies is like, let's get curious about other aspects of things that we see in the world and how do we have a conversation, a safe place to kind of talk about that. Uh, we just had our third week of a toxic masculinity class that we've been doing beforehand. That is driven by curiosity. There's this thing that's happening. There's this thing that we're noticing in the world. What does that say about God in the world? Um, so part of that, too, led, we did uh, recently this year, an eight-week experiment to kind of reflect on our experience in service. And that kind of brought up a lot for us in, like, how do we actually structure Sundays? And it leads really well into the next area, uh, our core value of prayer, and how do we engage prayer? What is prayer? How do we define it? So I want to invite Scott to come up because Scott has been uh, really helpful recently um, in talking about how we set up our Sunday mornings um, and specifically about something that uh, we call liturgical flow. So Scott. It's a fun word. It is a fun flow. word. How would you define liturgical flow? Um, yes. Uh, I had to, I don't know if you've ever taken a moment to just kind of define words that we use all the time. You're like, I don't know what that means. So uh, I did a, um, for a while, I was like, what does spirituality mean and what does religion mean? Because these words get used a lot. And so for me, and you can figure out your own definition that makes sense, but spirituality is when we make something that's invisible, visible. And then religion is the practice and rituals uh, that we develop to help us uh, remember and practice those visibilities, those those things, okay? So liturgical flow, uh, like everything is made up. Do you understand? Like when we, when we get together on a Sunday, we don't have to do anything. Like we could have a DJ the entire time. We could have a pinata in the middle that it's every, I got an amen on the pinata. So 
like, we can do anything. Like, if I look at the, if I look at what Jesus says as a commandment to do, uh, he says, you know, do this, the communion, and so we do that as part of it, and maybe baptism, uh, but maybe that only happens like once in our experience, but otherwise, like, everything we do is invented, and it's all invented because it's, it's helping give form and shape to the teachings and the messages and the essence of what God is inviting us into, and so we need to look at, like, what are our, what are our rhythms and what are our habits and our practices? And our liturgy is simply the work of the people, the things we put together around to help us understand and be transformed by those uh, things. So uh, I have at times worked on staff at churches and, 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 and probably too programmed in some ways. And so I'm trying to deprogram in a lot of ways. But uh, I came to Kurt and I was like, hey, uh, I think we should really pay attention to what our liturgical flow is, and maybe we can bring, not that we don't have intentionality now, but like what are some other things that would uh, that we could add that make sense for our community and, um, and, and play with that as well. So that's, that's part of it. I heard all of that, and a part of me is still hanging out at DJ Pinata Church. <laughs> I kind of want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> No, like if you've, if some, I know some of you have come to some of my things and I have like music in the background and stuff. Like one of my favorite storytelling uh, podcasts or radio programs is called Snap Judgment and it's storytelling with a beat. And I was like, why don't we do sermons like this? Like, why isn't there a DJ? And it's like, let's open Galatians, you know. And I, I was, uh, I do some live painting versus dead painting, but I go and I do that. And I got invited to this African-American, this large mega church, this African-American church in Atlanta. And I was painting during it. And uh, the, the, the pastor got up to preach and the, the entire band stayed on stage. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, and the guy was preaching. And at a certain point, he was like, uh. And the band went, bam. <laughs> and then he went, dun, dun, bam, bam, dun, dun, dun. And everybody got up and danced, and then it was like a little song. And then they got back together, and he continued, and I was like, this is it. I've just been in the wrong tradition. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> other people, they, they got it. They figured it out. So um, we can do that. That's all I'm saying. We can do that. <laughs> so to that end, we've been looking at how do we create an experience from when we walk in to when we walk out that has a flow and something that makes sense. Yeah. And maybe inviting in some other things that we do as a community that really invite people with different kind of learning styles or ways of engaging in their spirituality to engage. Uh, because a lot of church right now is this. Mm-hmm. You sit, and then I talk, and then there, we might put some words up on the screen. But how do we lean into some other ways of experiencing God or other ways of doing that? Yeah, and we, you know, because we rent this space, we have some limitations on what we can do. Um, if, you know, if we, if one day, if we have our own space and we have our druthers, you know, we would probably think about how we're going to sit together. Um, I used to be a high school teacher, and there are, there are educational models of, like, if you put all the students in a row and they face the teacher that says, the teacher holds the information and they have to learn it from you, but if you make them in groups, you're saying you're the facilitator for the information that's there for them to understand and so we could we could play with that and stuff so yeah we're limited by these pews and the space but we can also uh adapt on uh like what kind of music we sing like 
let's be honest here. I know some people who stay out and, and wait until announcements because they don't like music, you know? Uh, so, and I know some people love it. And so what do we do with a mixed and diverse community that uh, we find the things that resonate with that? And maybe we've, those of us who've been in church have experienced, you know, splits. I grew up in a church that split mostly because of musical choices. And that's, like, throw the whole thing away, honestly. Like, if that's, you know, the body of God will never be conquered, you know, like, it's not doing that in the world if we're splitting over music. So, uh, yeah, we're hoping to uh, be formed. Really, these things are helping us to, to form us. And can I say one more thing? I know I can't. Uh, also, sometimes I think the um, unintentional theme of church services is, hey, has life been kicking you in the groin? Then come to church and we'll make you feel better. And it's true. Like, we get together to remember God's promises, to be together, to encourage one another. But we also need to understand that, like, just statistically, when we get into a room, like 10% of us are going through some form of depression. There are people who are losing their jobs, who have, I don't know if I get to stay in my house, marriages that are breaking up. Like, there's a, there's a large emotional uh, the variety that's going on. And so if all churches is spiritual Prozac, we miss being able to connect with God on certain things. And so uh, maybe some of us have come from more like charismatic or certain kind of traditions that are more on the upside. And look, I'm not saying we should have sad church, although I would totally go. Um, I think I think down the street, there's Our Lady of the Sorrowful, uh, Our Lady of Sorrow. That's where all the Enneagram fours hang out. Um, so, <laughs> what does the diversity in our liturgy look like to give that emotional uh, context? You know, not that it, I think those are things that we have to consider um, and when, we do, when we talk about what our liturgical flow is. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Scott? Thank you, you for walk. coming up and sharing. Yeah. <laughs> and to that end, we're, we are going to be looking at kind of creating some blocks of flow and then inviting you all to help inform what we do in those particular blocks. So we kind of have these consistency, but there'd be a diversity in how we experience them. Maybe it's just, we talked about like an image of contemplation that we kind of gather from the, the church to say, this is our next message series, this is what we're looking at. And people either create art, take pictures, find art. And then we have a time just to put it up and we sit in contemplation and prayer and kind of see that and like, that sounds cool. How could we do that together? So if you're interested in that, we'll be announcing more. We'd love to have you come join us. Um, at this time, I want to invite up Jonathan. Jonathan is, uh, along with Sarah and I, the third kind of paid staff member. And a lot of this in our values and what we do, we also see is reflected in, and there's also a reality of finances and how our church works. And so, yeah, Jonathan wanted to talk about that. All right. So the, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take some hand clapping. People don't normally do that with finances at church. I mean, normally, like, someone comes up to talk about finances, and everyone's like, ugh. So the first thing I want to ask you guys for is we're going to be raising money for DJs and pinatas. Uh, that is our next capital campaign. Uh, I just made the decision sitting in the second row, so that's where we're heading. Um, I do want to acknowledge that for some of you, this is exciting because you're like, oh, yes, a church that talks about finances. There's no, you know, curtain of secrecy. And then for others of you, you're like, I'd just rather not know. Um, so we're going to try to, yeah, um, we're going to try to strike that balance this morning. And you're just going to get a little snapshot. Um, and so for those of you that it makes you uncomfortable, um, hopefully this is, you know, not pushing you too far. And for those of you who maybe have gone to churches where things were really covered up or you felt uncomfortable, um, you can always talk to me more later. I'm happy to go in depth. Um, and so 
please feel free to hit me up, uh, shoot me an email, talk to me after church. It's uh, Jonathan at CascadePDX.org, and I'm always happy to go more in depth. All right, so really what we're hoping to do this morning is just to have some transparency um, and let you guys know kind of what we bring in and then what our budget looks like so you guys know that. Uh, let's see, we got the first slide. Loom, all right. Um, so that was, do we not have the slides, Garrett? Because I can totally adjust if we don't have them. All right, so we don't have the slides. Um, all right, well, we're going to go with that. All right, so well, I'm going to vamp on this. I've got some handouts in the back, and there's probably, I don't know, 30 of them. And Garrett's going to, I don't know, do you want to grab me one of those just so I can talk about it? But yeah, we have handouts in the back. I printed those off in case the print on the screen was too small. So it's actually a good thing that I did that because there is no print on the screen and no one can see it. Um, so basically the handout is some version of what the slides were. And right now, what's going to be best? If we just like hand out a few or if I just talk about it? All right. If, uh, the first thing I was going to do was look at our income from last year. Um, and we averaged, okay, we got averages, we got some numbers. Uh, we averaged about $12,800 a month last year. Um, if you were to see the trend, it started off kind of high. We dipped in spring and summer, um, and our giving went down, I would say, for a while. And then right around November, December, we saw that come back up. And what I would attribute that to is that in November, we came to the congregation and said, hey, our giving's been going down. Um, we're not about to go out of business, but we need to kind of adjust the, adjust the trend that we're seeing. And you guys responded really well. So we saw our giving go up in um, November and December, and some of that was people giving, like, additional gifts at the end of the year. For some of you, that was, like, giving for the first time. So we want to say thank you. Um, we had to dip into our reserves a little bit during the summer last year. That's what they were there for. Um, but now we've kind of seen that trend correct, and so we're feeling optimistic about that. Um, as is with any business or church or things that have money to operate, we're keeping an eye on things. We're feeling like we're heading in the right direction, but um, in order to maintain that optimism, we need to see our giving trends continue as they were. Um, and so, yeah, we're hoping that the first part of this year can continue that it did at the end of last year. Um, so hopefully that captured it without any really good visuals. Um, and then the other piece is our budget. Our budget runs about uh, $13,800. And so you might look at that and say, Jonathan, that didn't quite match up with the giving trends for last year. Absolutely. Very observant of you. Um, last year, we had to dip into our reserves a bit. And then we are also looking at making just, you know, some adjustments and where are we spending money and how can we be more efficient in that way. Um, the other piece of that, too, is we actually underspent our budget last year. Um, so if you look at what the budget was, what we set, we uh, underspent that. But then if you look at the giving that came in against our budget, that came in under as well. So it was kind of split the difference between um, what came in, where we were hoping to be, and then what we actually spent. Um, so yeah, that was my best attempt at not using my slides. I'm going to see if I have any other notes on here. Uh, the other piece, too, is if you look through our budget, um, you see salaries and benefits. That's obviously the biggest part of our budget. Um, we have, you know, staff, and that's kind of where the biggest part of our church is. We also have operations in terms of running the church, renting the building, you know, paying for paper and ink, things like that. Um, then you also look down maybe at the very bottom, and you see generosity. And you might look at that and go, that's really low in comparison to the rest of the budget. And the way that we do our budget here is every month, uh, generosity, for an example, that's like the bare minimum that we're going to put in. Like, there's not going to be a month where we're like, well, we're just not putting money in generosity to help folks. Like, that is a, 
that's an untouchable part of our budget. And then there's also months where, as you know, like giving does this. And so when we have months that are bigger, we can put more into that fund. If you just look at our bare bones budget, though, we just put that as kind of the floor of 100. So last year, for example, I think, you know, we had budgeted to put in $1,200 in generosity as a bare minimum, but we brought in more like three to 4,000. Um, so that's really encouraging when we're able to, we're able to put more in there. So I don't want you to look at that and think that's just what goes in. And then we also had areas of our budget at the end of the year where we hadn't spent everything. So we have funds uh, where we put, you know, like here's our kids fund, here's our operations fund. And at the end of the year when we had leftover money, uh, we're able to say, oh, we didn't use all of that that just goes back into, you know, being able to reallocate it next year. Although things like generosity, we never empty out that fund. So that just kind of keeps building um, we don't do like a use it or lose it there. So I only bring that up to say that our budget is very much a guideline, but it's also uh, fluid in terms of if we have excess where we didn't spend it in operations, we can put that someplace else. And if we have excess one month, we can put that into generosity. Um, so yeah, as you look at that, I would say it's mainly a guideline, but something that we're able to kind of work with with some fluidity in there. So hopefully um, that was about as <laughs> straightforward as it could be without all the information. I would be happy to answer more questions with you one-on-one, -on -one, and also I'd be happy to email anybody the slides that were not up there today, um, just because I think those are helpful and would go in line with our value for being transparent with our finances. Kurt? Thank you, Jonathan. Um, so here's how we want to close. Uh, one thing that we really want, um, and we're trying to, to look at this next year, is our ability to really connect with one another. Uh, we think it would be sad. We would all kind of miss out and lose out if our experience of church was just to come, to sit, and then to go. Um, although if that's where you are and that's what works for you, that's awesome. We want to celebrate that. Um, but we also see that there's this big part of communion with one another. And so every other week we do communion where we have the bread and the cups and people come forward and we receive we have a time of, of doing it uh, individually with the bread, and then corporately with the cup we drink together. But really, um, if you look at the practice of communion, uh, in the Bible, it was much more a meal. It wasn't exist, it didn't mean to exist as like something you went and did as a small break, a little cracker, and then amen, and you go. It was the staple items, the bread and the wine that would have been at every meal. And so this morning with our Taste of Home potluck, uh, whether or not you brought food or not, we want you to come and join us next door as our corporate act of communion. We're going to be taking other people's foods and their stories and their history that reminds them of home and eating together as in remembrance of Christ, a remembrance of who Jesus was and what Jesus was inviting to, how we see each other, who we see each other as is called and directed by Christ. And we can think of no better remembrance, no better celebration than to eat and to talk and to be with one another. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to head over and have a party. God, I thank you for this church, God, this space. And God, I pray that every day we would be able to see more, God, what you want to bring forward uh, in this world. And God, we would be able to embody more of what you created us for and what you want to see in this world. God, I pray that a heart of welcome, of generosity, of learning, of curiosity, of intentionality and prayer and diversity, of advocacy, God, would flow 
in and out of us and would be the defining marks of this community. God, would you unite us together? Would you help us to connect with one another, God, as we follow after you? It's in your name we pray. Amen. So would you all stand? We want to send you out this morning with a heart for community, with a heart to see and engage all the people around you, to get curious about the world around you, and to see what God is doing in and through and around you. Amen and amen. Let's go eat.